only source of true delight whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding dying. This morning's scripture will be read from two locations. The first one is Exodus 34, verses 29 to 35. It's on page 75 in the blue uh, pew Bible that's in front of you if you wish to use that. Page 75, Exodus 34, 29 to 35. And then you might turn over as well to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12, on page 965 of the Blue Pew Bible. Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterwards, all the people of Israel came near and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Now, 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 12, page 965. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who had put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, Having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, 
with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Let's seek God's blessing upon our time. Lord, we pray, give us understanding of your word and Lord, move our hearts to believe your word and to enter into the glory of your word. Enable us to be nourished on your word and be changed by your word to Lord, be changed in what we believe and how we think and how we live, how we feel, why we do what we do. Bless us, Lord, that this word will take root and bear fruit in our lives. Amen. This is a very interesting section of the Word of God, both the section in Exodus and then Paul referring to it here as he's talking about the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And he focuses in on this uh, amazing aspect of, of Moses coming down from the mountain and his face literally shining. The only other thing we have like this is, is Jesus and his transfiguration, a much greater uh, glory that shone forth from Jesus on the mountain. But here was uh, Moses because of being in the presence of God, showing forth this, this light. But the odd thing, the thing that has been hard for... In fact, one guy called this section the Mount Everest of difficult uh, texts to uh, understand. Uh, so, let's just forget about it. No. <laughs> My thought is, who am I, right? <clears throat> and you're thinking the same thing. Um, <clears throat> but I want to talk about just two part, two, two uh, uh, points this morning that are, are very clear in the text. Whatever else is, is not so clear. The first is this. The veil that covered the glory of Moses' face, the veil that covered the glory of Moses' face represented the veil that covered the hearts of God's people. That much is very clear in this text. And it gives us a clue as to why he veiled his face. Some actually have interpreted this that Moses' face would fade and so he was hiding from them the fact that his face, the glory was fading on his face. And I struggle with why that would be important, what would the point be, etc. But I think the text here in, in, in Exodus, really, there's no hint as to why, except the context in which you see how blasphemous the people of God had been. But it doesn't say in the text we read in Exodus why Moses did that. Paul, though, uh, indicates here that it is con- put a veil over his face so that they might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. You might not understand, well, what, why still? Why did he do that? Their minds were hardened. And then he says in verse 15, even to this day, a veil lies over their hearts. And so the problem is that Moses would speak to them the word 
And it was allowed that they would see that much of his glory, of the glory of God reflected in Moses, because this established that Moses was authentically the leader of Israel, and it authenticated his ministry and leadership to them. But it's as though that's all that would be allowed. And at that point, they were veiled. His, his face was veiled, and Israel was cut off from that reflected glory of God. And if you think about what had happened in the several verses before, several chapters before, as God's glory was on the mountain of Sinai, okay, as the glory was visibly palpable, I mean, you could hear it, you could see it, you could feel it, as that glory is displayed, and as God is giving the covenant law to Moses, they are having a party whoring after the God that they created, the golden calf. That's what they thought of the glory of God. That was their response to the glory of God. And couple that with the glory of God that they saw in Egypt. As His glory was displayed over and over and over in releasing them from Egypt. Even to the point that it would be dark in one place and not in another. There would be frogs in one place, but not on them. The firstborn was protected in their house, but not with the Egyptians. They saw the water parted and they went on dry land. They saw God open up water for their benefit in the desert. All of this glory is displayed, the fire by night and the cloud by day, and now it's on the mountain, and they spit upon it. They turn away from it. They laugh at it. They ridicule it. And God, in his conversation with Moses, says, okay, I'm taking them out right now. Okay, They're gone. I'm wiping them out. He says, I'll make a nation of you, Moses. Let's just start over right now with you. Now, I would have taken him up on that. You know, like, yeah, let's make me the, you know, the head of the new people of God. But Moses was more humble than me, and he argued God's glory to him. What would the nations think? What would Egypt think if this people that you redeem now were just destroyed in, in the Wilderness, And I think God, of course, is coaxing this prayer out of Moses and uh, has Moses pray God's own promises and commitments to him, even to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <clears throat> Jacob and Isaac. Uh, Isaac and Jacob, I'm sorry. So here, uh, as, as Moses is presenting to them the law of God, the glory is covered. It's a condemnation to them. It's a judgment upon them. Hughes says that glory was entirely incompatible with the wickedness of a rebellious and stiff-necked people. It was an enacted parable. And several times in this passage, it talks about what was uh, coming to nothing, even in our verse, verse 13. What was coming to nothing indicates this whole glory of the old covenant was being brought to an end. In fact, it's a present tense, which would mean is the way it's constructed, that already, even in the beginning, even as it began, it was temporary. Even as it was began, it was slated only for a little while until the real thing comes. And even then, with that glory that was fading, that, that was going to pass away, the glory that was reflected 
on the face of Moses, that still had to be cut off from them because of their wickedness. The mountain was guarded. Even an animal could not touch the mountain. That was the indication how unapproachable God is in His glory. And even now, this reflection of His glory on on the face of Moses had to be covered because of the sin of God's people. And Paul makes the point here that their hearts were hardened and it's continued to this day with the Israelites. It's continued to this day because their lack of faith, their hardened heart toward Yahweh showed itself fully and finally when Yahweh takes flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And as John says, the glory of God was revealed fully and finally in Jesus then fully and finally and violently he was refused. Not by all. There was a precious remnant of Jews that came to Christ, and without that, humanly speaking, we never would have come to Christ. God used this precious remnant of Jews for Jesus, like Paul and the apostles and thousands of others who brought the gospel to us Gentiles. And now we are part of the people of God. But by and large, Paul can say, that same veil remains unlifted. Even now, in the synagogues, he says, as Moses is read, there's a veil, and they don't know what he's talking about. They're hardened against that very God whose law they're reading. Second point, this veil that covered Moses' face, that really was an indicator of the veil over their heart that Paul says remains to this day. It was an indicator of the hardness of their heart. It was an outward parable of the condemnation and judgment upon them because of their hardness of heart against this gracious God who had shown His glory. That's why I've entitled this The Rejection of Glory. It looks like on God's part, the hiding of glory, but the hiding of glory was because there had been this terrible rejection of God's glory, the rejection of God's beauty and greatness, His majesty, His love, a wholesale rejection of it. But secondly, the veil is taken away in Christ. He says that in verse 14, only through Christ is this veil taken away. You see it dramatically in verse 6 of chapter 4 as he has talked about how those who even now refuse the word that the God of this world has blinded them. Paul can then say, verse 6, God who said, let light shine out of darkness. The God who said at the beginning of creation, let there be light and there was light. In a similar, sovereign, powerful way, He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of what? The glory of God. Now, we we need to tie what He said about Moses and Mount Sinai with this incredible moment that occurs in some way in every believer's life. Every believer whether six years old or 66 years old, we can't define exactly how it's going to look, exactly the nature of what aspects of God's glory weigh heavier or lighter in their hearts. 
fundamentally, it is an understanding, as he says here, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This much is seen. I see the beauty of God's love and justice and righteousness displayed in Jesus Christ. And I'm drawn to trust in him. I see something of the beauty of the work of Christ, which shows me the beauty and wonder of God himself who has done this thing. And that shines into our hearts. That's why we can hear sermons. Maybe you've heard sermons your whole life. But you can be just like Israel who watched God in Egypt and watched God part the Red Sea and watched God in the wilderness and watched God on Mount Sinai and still they made an idol. And Jesus would say, It's far, far worse, far, far worse for us to sit under the gospel itself, the full revelation of the glory of God in the work of Christ who gave himself on the cross for sinners, who was raised for sinners, who offers himself full and free forgiveness for sinners for us then to be hardened against it and to be devoted to our idols instead of that glory. To be devoted to my life instead of that rich beauty that is set before me. But when he comes to us, when we believe, Paul can say of himself and every other believer, he's shown in our hearts to give the light of the glory of God. And I would ask everyone here, has that happened to you? And let me say, if your life is marked every, well, let's say every one of us has, we all have times where we, we, we say to ourselves, gosh, I need to feel more toward Christ. I, I, I don't love him like I should. I'm not excited about his glory as I should. I'm not as devoted to prayers, all of these kinds of things. But if the whole of your life has been and continues to be eh, about Christ, then it, it's possible then that this glory has never shone into your heart. But isn't it encouraging that it's not something that you simply have to push a button or pull up your bootstraps or get in the right, but that you can come to God and say, Oh, Lord, I don't know if I've ever really seen you. I don't know if your beauty has really ever gripped my heart to begin with. Lord, I'm just casual about worship. I'm casual about your word. I'm casual about prayer. I'm casual about mission. I'm ca- it doesn't really matter to me. I'm just, I'm just showing up. It's simply his power that makes it happen, you see. His power through the gospel to shine into our hearts. And of course, we can be like Zacchaeus who climbed up in the tree to get in the way of Jesus, Okay. So you want to be in worship. You want to read his word. You want to seek him in prayer. You want to talk about these things with other people. You want to get in the tree where Jesus is walking, so to speak, and say, oh, Lord, take the preaching of the word. Take, bring me to your word. Make this word live in my heart. Oh, Lord, shine in my heart. So the veil is taken away in Christ. First, he reveals his glory. But he doesn't just reveal his glory. Chapter 3, verse 18. We now with unveiled face, 
changing the image. We're not like Moses with a veiled face, but we are, uh, we are unveiled and we are like Moses who unveiled is beholding. He, he, he was in the presence of Yahweh. His face was shining because he's in the presence of Yahweh. And now he paints the picture. We now are beholding the glory of the Lord. That is the glory of Jesus Christ as revealed in the gospel. And we're being conformed to that image from glory to glory. We're not talking about just a shiny face. We're talking about a shiny life. Okay. We're talking about conformity in my character and nature to God himself through Jesus Christ. So he not only reveals his glory, but he transforms me into that glory, conforms me to that glory. It's like what John says in 1 John 3, when we see him as he is, we will become like him. It's like if you imagine a child in a, a children's fantasy book is just being fascinated by the, these uh, eagles that are swarming around him and he just can't believe how glorious and powerful and strong they are. And he's just lost in the wonder of it all. And suddenly he's an eagle flying with them. You know, He's up two miles up, one mile up. He's soaring down the valleys. He's just, whoa, that's, that's the picture you see caught up with the glory of God. And can you imagine it transformed into the beauty of his character, the perfection of his love and joy. We're made like him. It's the whole goal of salvation. Glory is the goal of salvation to be made into his image and to enter into the joy of what that means to be like God. That's the root of all of our agony, is we're not like God. And to the extent that we're not like God, we're not human. We're less than human. But to be made full and complete human beings is to be fully in the image of God. And that's what God is doing. So he reveals his glory, but it doesn't leave us static or in our same condition. It transforms us. By the Holy Spirit, as he says here. And the Lord and the the Son of God and the Spirit are so close in their work that you can name one for the other one, as it says, the Lord, the Spirit. He's not confusing the two. He's saying their work is so close. He is the Lord who is the Spirit. We'll talk more about that passage. And finally... The veil is taken away in Christ. He reveals His glory. He conforms us to His glory. And then He brings us into the presence of His glory finally. And He says in verse 12, after talking about the permanent glory in verse 11 of the new covenant, He then says, since we have such a hope. This glory, this permanent glory that we have in the new covenant gives us a hope of glory. It points us to final glory. He uses this word hope, which is a future word. We trust in what is coming to us. The permanence of this glory means there is glory to be had in the future, in the full culmination of his kingdom. And that's why Paul can say in Romans 5, 2, Through Him, that is through Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
And that means in hope of seeing the glory, knowing the glory, partaking of the glory, and being transformed into that glory. We have hope of the glory of God, nothing less than that. And yes, we'll see all our friends there, etc. But, you know, when you hear somebody say, you know, yeah, I just can't wait to get there and see old Aunt Mabel. Okay, I'm not to take away from Aunt Mabel. I'm sure she was wonderful, okay? But we rejoice in hope of the glory of God, of having every sin removed, of having the full beauty of the perfect character of God reflect in a limited way. We're not infinite, but as finite creatures, we are caught up and filled with the glory of God. I love this passage in Jude. And It underscores, think of the difference in Mount Sinai, you know, fenced off very carefully. It's like electric wire all around it, you know, (laughs) we would say. And, And you will die. An animal that belongs to you, just because it's associated with you, will die if it touches this mountain. Okay, That's this glory. Here's a measure of the work of Jesus Christ. That Christ would so die for our sins, so take away the condemnation of our sin, so clothe us with his righteousness, so unite himself to us that we are lost in his glory and accepted completely in Christ, that it is said we can go with boldness into the very presence of God now. He did that through suffering. That's what we celebrate this morning. We're celebrating a meal which talks about fellowship. We're sitting down at table with God. We're sitting at table with God. And Jesus says, I will, this, this is a foretaste. This, this speaks of the meal that will come one day, the great feast. All of heaven is pictured as a feast at table with God forever. The Mount Sinai. And sitting at the table with God. Listen to Jude. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. You, standing in the presence of his glory, and you're not running, you're not hoping you can get away from this God You are standing with absolute joy, embracing and feasting upon His glory, and you are made into the image of His glory even as you stand there. I urge you, I urge you, whoever you are, don't give your life to anything else but the daily taste of the riches of this fellowship with this God through Jesus Christ culminating, finally, standing before Him in the presence of His glory. Apart from Christ, standing before God will be the worst possible thing that could happen to anyone. And it will happen to anyone who refuses, refuses this gift that has been accomplished through the suffering of the God-man Jesus Christ. Oh, may you trust Him. And dear people, may you all the more give yourself up to him. May you come this morning and rejoice.
rejoice that you are in the presence of his glory. Let us pray. Lord, we honor you and praise you that we are yours through Jesus Christ. That this veil which was over our hearts as well, just as surely as the Israelites, this veil caused us to be unbelieving and hardened against you. And yet you removed the veil in Christ. You shone in our hearts to, that we might see his glory. You are transforming us into that glory And you will one day bring us into the very presence of that glory. Oh, Lord, to think that we who had rebelled against you, now our life is labeled glory. What a mark of the perfection of Jesus Christ's work on behalf of his people. Oh, Lord, thank you for this amazing privilege, this incredible eternal honor that is given to us that we participate in your glory, that we are conformed to whatever glory Christ has as a human being, we are conformed to that glory and its happiness and its strength and its love and its kindness and its purity, its goodness. These are ours forever in Christ. We praise you. And may we participate all the more in that through what Christ is accomplishing us in even now as he's transforming us from glory to glory into his image. Amen. The pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times directions to the church and to subscribe to this podcast our web address is fortworthpca.org fort worth presbyterian is a part of the presbyterian church in america jesus my lord my life my light oh come with blissful rain Break radiant through the shades of night And chase my fears away Won't you chase my fears away?